Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, did you uh, have a good weekend? I had a great weekend. Yeah, I got some things done around the house. Carson, I would like to report to you and America the nursery is complete. Ceiling fan was installed this weekend. We are done. You are done. That is, uh, that has to be a wonderful feeling. It is a great feeling. The only thing we need now is a baby. 18 days. We are T minus 18 days until the nursery is really complete with a baby. Well, I don't have a child, but I imagine it's very key to do what you did and get all that done before the baby arrives. Because once that baby's here, that's going to be an around the clock uh, learning curve to where you don't have time to be doing any home improvement. Yeah, we were actually, uh, so last week we talked about, I started with the golf channel and there's an LPGA event coming up several weeks down the line where they're going to be out in Hawaii and somebody might have to be up at like midnight to post something. And I'm like, guys, I'm going to be up at midnight anyway. I'll I'll do it. I'll I'll be the guy that takes the midnight shift because apparently with babies, you just have to be up about every hour and a half your entire life. So looking forward to it though. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah. And that's also a great move by you to like, went over some favor early on was, was today your first day uh yesterday was which actually yesterday was supposed to be a calm day after the players championship where i was training and instead it was a hectic crazy day and then i trained today but uh yeah bingo you nailed it on the buying good graces early on that's yeah, a, a solid move you know just throw, throw them a bone early on to show you're a team player it's a great it's a great move there uh, we got a lot to get to Oklahoma State wise, particularly on the basketball side of things and a few other subjects. But first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Colby, no Oklahoma State in the NCAA tournament. Um, do you have any thoughts on just the fact? Obviously, we know they're not there and why, and all the travesty. We've discussed that plenty. I got to say, this might be the least amount of knowledge I've had in my 37 years on earth about the NCAA tournament and particularly the teams playing in the tournament. I've watched very, very, very little college basketball this year. Carson, that is not specific to you. That extends to me as well. It's, I think it has a lot to do with the NCAA decision that impacted Oklahoma state, because I think we all knew that Oklahoma state wasn't playing in the tournament this year. And I mean, what am I going to invest all this time and energy and effort and everything into if my team can't make it and can't do all that? So I haven't watched much college basketball this year. Uh, I've I've done a little bit of research the last couple of days just on seeing what's on the bracket and who's in there. But the NCAA, Carson, I think really broke our spirit, not just for Oklahoma State, but for all of college basketball. And maybe maybe next year we'll get back on the horse. No, that's that's totally I I, I begrudge no one if they're on the same page as you and I, because for all the reasons you mentioned, and it's been trending this way for a long time for me with college basketball. I talked about this on the uh, the solo pod I did. College basketball just is not even close to the same product it used to be. Just think back to the 2004 Final Four team from Oklahoma State. Pretty much everyone that played on that team was a senior. 
that just doesn't happen anymore. Either they go pro if they're if they have any chance at all to play pro, or they enter the transfer portal and go play somewhere else. It's just you're just not going to see. And even if they do enter the transfer portal, the odds of them staying till their senior year is just slim and none. I mean, even a guy like Likely, who I know is kind of a super senior with the COVID year, I think you're going to see a lot more guys like him that maybe have an extra year of eligibility with the, the, the natural way. Just say, you know what? I'm going to go try and play pro somewhere. Don't even care if it happens to be somewhere besides the NBA. So I just – it the, the product on the floor isn't in the same stratosphere as what it was 10, 15 years ago. And I think that's a big part of why – just general interest and attendance and all those things in college basketball has gone way down. Yeah. I mean, my interest to college basketball these days comes down to two things, Carson. One is Oklahoma state playing Two, Am I going to be able to watch one of the top three projected picks in the NBA draft and think to myself, I wonder how that guy would fit next to Shea and Giddy that, that pretty much is the general gist of my college basketball watching, because I will say, I've taken a peek at Jabari Smith this year. I've taken a peek at Chet Holmgren this year. Uh, but outside that, I mean, I haven't watched a ton of college basketball because I'm focused on Oklahoma State. And then if it could maybe have some implications for the Thunder, I, I like to watch the elite guys from time to time. But other than that, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm fairly tuned out. Um, I, I mean, I'm looking at the one seeds here, Gonzaga, Arizona, Baylor, and Kansas. I mean, even Baylor and Kansas, Agbaji up at Kansas, um, boy, I'm trying to think of how many starters I could name from the two teams combined between Baylor and Kansas. And, and, and it, it feels weird, Carson, because in years past, Big 12 basketball has been a big deal to me. I don't know. Maybe it's just the NCAA thing, but I've just really been unplugged this year. Well, I'm the same way. I'm sure a lot of people uh, are listening are the same way, too, just the NCAA ruling and just, man, OSU basketball, too. I mentioned this as well on a solo pod. Colby just – it feels like the program has been just kind of stuck in quicksand since really since Eddie because Sean Sutton started to get things going. Then things waned and we all know how that situation ended. Travis Ford, we all know just a few highs, but a lot of lows. Uh, Brad Underwood kind of reignites the fan base for one year. Then the rug gets pulled out from that fan base. They hire this guy we never heard of and Mike Boynton and he he's completely won over the fan base, but now the results just aren't there. They missed the tournament again. Uh, they have one tournament win under Mike Boynton, which Eddie used to go every year and win that first round game. I know that's, it's hard to, it's hard to be Eddie Sutton, uh, make no mistake about that, but it just feels like to me, Colby, that the, the program just for whatever reason for the last 15 years has just been kind of stuck in quicksand. Yeah, I think that's an accurate assessment, and I'm hoping that post-NCAA decision, post-serving the postseason ban, get past that and stabilize. Stabilize, stabilize, stabilize. That's what this program needs. It doesn't need – I mean, obviously, I, I should phrase that differently. I, I was going to say it doesn't need, like, the one-year pop. Having Cade for a year was awesome, and if you can go out and get the next guy who's going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft, go get him. But – this program needs three to four years where you go to the tournament every year for three to four years. You're anywhere from a three to an eight seed during that span. And maybe you make the sweet 16 once or twice and just kind of get people back where we love college basketball and you want to be in Gallagher Iba. And Carson, I really think that Mike Boynton is the guy to do that. I don't know, 
because we haven't seen it because circumstances throughout his first few years at Oklahoma State have been so weird with the NCAA decision looming, with the one year with Cade, all the guys he kicked off early, some of those guys he recruited, as you mentioned last week. So it's just things haven't been smooth. Things haven't been normal. So if we can get a sense of normal with the Oklahoma State basketball program, maybe we can get that stability that we're really craving. Know how uh, that stability could be, I guess the rug could be pulled out again. Uh, There's an opening at South Carolina. (laughs) And we all know Mike Boynton, South Carolina alum, spent five seasons there as assistant coach. They fired Frank Martin as head coach at South Carolina, and Mike Boynton is going to be one of the top candidates there. Uh, (laughs) I kind of laugh about it, joking in a – it's not funny, but it was just like, yeah, that, that, that'll probably happen to OSU. They finally get a coach everyone loves, and, and his approval rating's high despite the lack of real true success for a long period of time. And even he, get, even he gets swiped. Uh, what do you make of the, the opening? Do you think there's any chance that, uh, that Mike would leave? Uh, you know, I can't really see a coach leaving Oklahoma to go to USC. That just doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, uh-huh. Uh, but no, I don't think he leaves. Number one, the buyout's too high. USA Today and Seth Davis, this is all on pistols firing, said that the buyout would be $13.5 I can't imagine South Carolina coming up with $13.5 million for Mike Boynton. Not only that, it's not like South Carolina is some power. Um, you know, if, if it doesn't work out at, with Davis at North Carolina and North Carolina comes calling, that would seriously scare me if, uh, if Duke didn't have a, a guy in place and wanted to come calling, that would seriously scare me. But... Again, he, he's, he's elevated himself where I think he's beyond the level of coaching at a South Carolina, but he's not at the level of coaching at a Duke or a Carolina yet. So I kind of feel like he's just here to stay for a little while. And, I mean, I could be totally off, but I, I have a feeling of comfortability with Mike Boynton being at Oklahoma State for at least the immediate future. I think that's an excellent assessment when you were bringing up the Dukes and the Carolinas. I, as I was just talking in my head, like, there, there would be pitchforks and torches at, at the president's offices and athletic director's offices if, if they tried to hire Mike Boyne just based on his record because they probably don't follow how good he is as a recruiter. They probably don't care just based on the results. So I'm totally with you there. South Carolina's really a bad, bad, bad basketball job. It always has been. Uh, they don't have that great of a, of a following. It's just – there hasn't been a lot there. That's why it was so shocking when Frank Martin got them to the, the NCAA title game or final four. They got to the final four at least. I can't remember if they got made it to the title game or not. But that's it's just not a great job. And I know he went to school there. His ties are more to New York. And his ties were specifically to uh, Darren Horn, who was the coach at South Carolina when he was an assistant. So I think a lot of those connections he had there are no longer there. And you mentioned it, man, the buyout. That I didn't realize it was it was 13 million. I thought it was like 9.5 or something along those lines, but either way, it's it's really clear to me that Chad Weiberg and probably through Mike Holder through his experience dealing with Brad Underwood, they they learned their lesson. They they had a coach in Brad Underwood that was was very underpaid, but hey, he signed the contract. It's not it's less about what his salary was that year, it's more about can some athletic director fly a private jet to Stillwater pick him up and him post a picture that he's wearing Illinois gear before anyone in Stillwater even knows about it that's how easy it was for Illinois to take Brad Underwood he literally just flew down there and signed a contract he was on such a small deal and there was no buyout hardly at all so that's 
it's apparent to me, Colby, that they've they've learned their lesson, and this obviously will help big time if an even better job than South Carolina comes open. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's like you mentioned, I didn't realize the buyout was that high and it looks like it has something to do with bonuses, something like that. But uh, yeah, that's a big number for Mike Boynton. And, you know, for all the reasons I mentioned and you mentioned, it's just, I feel comfortable he's going to be here. And like you said, South Carolina is a bad basketball program. I mean, Frank Martin went there and it's like, ooh, Frank Martin to South Carolina, this, this could be something. Maybe they get their program turned around a little bit, get it going the right direction. No, none of that. I mean, South Carolina is just not a good, uh, not a good program. Now, South Carolina was paying Frank Martin three three point two million dollars annually. Mike Boynton makes about two point one. So, yes, if he were to go, it could potentially be a significant pay raise uh, for Mike Boynton. About what would that be? Fifty percent of his salary, uh, in addition to what he's already making. So, uh, you know, the money could be enticing, but I think he likes where he's at in Stillwater. He's got Moses Cisse coming back. Uh, he's got the kid from Bixby coming in who's a shooter. Got some young talent that can hopefully continue to progress. So I like where he's at, and I like where Oklahoma State's at moving forward. Yeah, I do too. And we're going to be seeing a lot of changeover with the roster uh, with transfers and, and things of that nature. But in the meantime, Mike Boynton did get a shooter. You mentioned him, Parker Friedrichson from uh, Bixby, commits to Oklahoma State. Now, I believe he's a junior, so this doesn't help – uh, for next year, but it's clear Mike Boynton said it. He needs a point guard. He needs more shooting on next year's roster. But this kid from Bixby, he's clearly a shooter, and Bill Haston calls him the best scorer in the state already, and he's, he's just a junior. So I love this, Colby, because it just shows you once again, you think about the, the Boone twins, uh, you know, Bryce Thompson coming back to the state. Mike Boynton has really, really, really dominated the state of Oklahoma with recruiting. I mean, other than Trey young, who was from Norman, he's pretty much landed the biggest names the state has to offer. Yeah, he has. And this is a big get for Oklahoma state because the scouting report on Parker Friedrichson, Carson, we've been asking for it. Sharp shooter is the scouting report on Parker Friedrichson. Now this is not a Keaton page situation. Parker Friedrichson, six foot three. Uh, you know, this isn't, this isn't a little guy from a small school in Oklahoma. Bixby's a big time program and he's a big time player. Uh, he said they told pistols firing whenever he came in that, uh, they showed him film of Jeffrey Carroll and Lindy waters, two guys similar to his size who had success at Oklahoma state. Obviously we see what Lindy waters is doing now, trying to play his way really to, to sticking in the NBA as a guy who can shoot the ball. And I mean, Carson, this is what Oklahoma state needs. Just go out and get guys who can light it up from beyond the arc. And this is a big recruiting win for Mike Boynton too. That's what we talked about last week. You win in recruiting and eventually you'll see the results on the court. Oklahoma State beat out OU, Purdue, Iowa, Mizzou, and Illinois were all amongst the biggest schools to offer, and Illinois has been a national power for a couple of years now. And Carson, that means that you win the recruiting battle over your in-state rival Oklahoma and over your former head coach, Brad Underwood, and that feels really, really good. Yeah, I wonder if old Mike shot Brad a text and a little, little, maybe a gif, maybe a little emoji, uh, a little something, something maybe for, for Brad Underwood. Always good to beat him at, at just about anything. Uh, we didn't talk about this. You know, Musa Cisse announced he's coming back to Stillwater. That's obviously massive for next year. I, I kind of thought he would test the draft waters again, Colby, because you know he'll just test off the charts in a, in a combine type situation. But he's coming back, and I, I would love to see him 
we saw some glimpses of what he can be offensively. We certainly saw what he's able to do defensively. But I think he's kind of poised for and, – and I'm making this comparison – keep it in perspective. I'm not saying he's as good as this player or going to make the same type of jump and be the number one overall pick in the draft. But Blake Griffin, when he was a freshman, was a really good player. But he went from like a really good player his freshman year to by far the best player in college basketball his sophomore year. I'm not expecting that type of jump, obviously, for Musa Cisse. But I think we could see like a significant jump to where he's first team all Big 12 and and on a lot of, uh, you know, All-American type lists. Yeah, absolutely. The way that he closed the season, he really started to come on and, and use his size. I mean, he was rebounding late in the season, double-doubles uh, on a pretty consistent basis there the last few weeks of the season. So that was huge news uh, last week whenever Musa, Musa announced that he was coming back because, you know, Oklahoma State has needed that center, and we thought he was going to be that guy this year. Took him longer than we really expected to kind of get there and be the guy, but seemed like he did start to figure it out late in the season. So if he can be that guy next year for Oklahoma State, that would be huge. I mean, just to have a guy on the inside who can go out and get you 12 and 10 on a night-in, night-out basis, that's big time. And I really, I think Musa Cisse is that guy. So hopefully he makes the leap that we all think he's going to. Meanwhile, Donovan Williams entered the transfer portal, so barely knew you, and he's he's going on to, to greener pastures. But in response to Musa Cisse uh, announcing he's coming back, my boy tweeted, quote, there's a lot of noise floating around about roster changes, and there's no question we will have some. It's a new reality in college athletics, but you can all rest peacefully if having talent gives you comfort. First domino is in place, and it's a big piece. Uh, assume that's referring to the big, the big domino himself, uh, Musa Cisse. Maybe that'll be his new nickname, like you know, the big Aristotle for Shaq, the big Diesel. Maybe uh, the big domino will be uh, Musa's nickname. I like that. And by the way, based on what Mike Boynton had to say there, I guess I'm gonna sleep peacefully because yes, having talent does help me sleep <laughs> a little bit more peacefully. That that makes life a little easier. Yeah, and man, there's, you know, who knows who Mike's gonna get, but the the sky. I forgot his last name off the top of my head, but there's a kid from. Kentucky. He was committed to Kentucky. He was like a four or five star kid. Like Mike's going to be in on some big name guys. It's just a matter of, we've seen that before. He's landed some really good transfers. Um, it's just a matter of kind of shaping the roster together and making all the pieces fit and certainly adding some shooting. Colby and I are well on record on that, that they need more outside shooting uh, going into the next year. So that's, that's the basketball, basketball talk, but what, sorry, just, go ahead. Just real quick, his name is Sky Clark. He is in the class of 2022, unlike Parker Fredrickson, so he'd be coming in next year for Oklahoma State, and he has decommitted from Kentucky. Oklahoma State was in on him initially, so Sky Clark, if anybody wants to give him a Google. That's Sky with two Ys, by the way. Let's get a little creative here. I saw that. That's, that's a nice little touch. Uh, I, like, I like that name. That's a, that's, a, that's a powerful basketball name there, Sky Clark. Hopefully they can name him. Uh, let's go back to some, uh, some golf news. Uh, Victor Hovland was in contention. Uh, he was at one point, he was right at the top of the leaderboard, uh, but he ultimately, he rinsed one on, on 18 and, and fell back a little bit, but that's not what call the headlines for Victor Hovland. He was involved in a kerfuffle, uh, dust, not a dust up, a, uh, an heated discussion, we'll call it between Daniel Berger and Victor Hovland and Joel Damon, uh, Colby, do you want to kind of set up the scenario for us? You're better at the golf talk than I am. Yes, yeah, so this is what happened. On the 16th hole at TPC Sawgrass, water goes all the way up the right side. It's a par five. 
Daniel Berger hits his second shot, attempting to go for the green. He balloons it outright into the water. Now, per the rules of golf, you have to drop wherever the ball crossed over the hazard line. It's not where it lands. It's where it crosses the red line that is painted just inside the water. So Daniel Berger goes up to take his drop, and he's taking his drop about 25, 30 yards short of the green. And Victor Hovland and Joel Damon, who are in his group, are standing back behind him about 70 yards saying, hey, man, I don't think it went in up there. And so Daniel Berger comes back. They kind of talk about it, and they cannot agree on where this ball went in. Joel Damon was very frustrated. Daniel Berger started to get very defensive. I think he felt like his integrity was being called into question. He said, I've never taken a bad drop in my life. And Carson, Stillwater's finest, Victor Hovland, was so stereotypically Victor Hovland in this clip. Even in an argument with a fellow tour pro about a drop, he's just the nicest guy. He never raised his voice. He never got animated. He just very calmly, very nicely stated why he thought the ball entered where it did. And eventually, Daniel Berger ended up dropping back where Joel Damon and Victor Hovland wanted him to just to avoid any further controversy. Uh, But yeah, Victor Hovland, I got to be the nicest guy on tour. I mean, even the way he handled that situation was just all class, Carson. I was so impressed with how Victor handled himself, mainly with his demeanor that you mentioned. Like, he couldn't have been more polite. Daniel Berger couldn't have been more of a prick or a jerk or an asshole, whatever word you want to use. He was all of those things. And I know I I listened to a little bit of the 73rd Old Podcast. Shout out to our friends over there with you and Taylor Williams and Sam Humphreys. And I I want to kind of hear your take before we start talking about this. And I think you were very fair to Daniel Berger. I'm not going to be fair. I thought he was a total jerk. <laughs> and the reason why, and look, I'm, I can get defensive myself. It's one of my flaws. I, I can be defensive. So I'm not trying to sound like a total hypocrite here. But he was like, he was like ready to pop off before they even really said anything. If you go watch the full video, I tweeted out the full videos. They don't. And they initially posted like a clip and everyone was like, well, why that wasn't so bad. I was like, you got to watch the whole thing. The second, and I mean a millisecond after Victor Hovland hollered up to Berger at first, before Victor even explained himself, Berger chirps back like immediately. And then he says something like, you can call a rules official and the video guy. I don't care. Like, just like, Go talk to him, get his perspective on what he's trying to say. He was, he was ready for war immediately, which to me, I get the fact you're, you're trying to protect your reputation. You don't want to be viewed as a cheater. That's like a, that's something obviously you don't want to happen, but he didn't even like hear them out. He was just, he was ready for, to, to stop that dead in its tracks. He threw a little temper tantrum, really treated Victor with a lot of disrespect. And Victor sat there and took it like, like a professional. Uh, I thought Berger acted like a complete spoiled child. And I just, I couldn't believe he acted that way. I thought he, I thought he was a total jerk. Yeah, no, that was, that was good for you to point out that he was so defensive immediately. Cause that's something that maybe I hadn't considered. I was probably giving him the benefit of the doubt once they got deeper into the conversation, but you're right. He was, I mean, immediately Victor Hovland said, Hey man, I don't think it crossed up there. And he immediately turned around and said, 100%, 100%, it crossed up here. Call whoever you want, rules official, cameraman, doesn't matter. 100%, 1,000%, it crossed up here on a 1,000%. And he was very adamant very early, which, yeah, I mean, you're probably right. It probably escalated because Daniel Berger came in so hot right off the jump. I mean, 
anybody who's played golf, played in tournaments, high level, low level, every so often there's a dispute about a drop. It happens. There's a dispute about a rule. Normally you just get together and talk about it and kind of figure it out. And honestly, I mean, usually the guy who's kind of getting called on a rule or on a drop or something like that does get a little bit defensive, but Berger went from zero to a hundred immediately. And I, I think you make a good point. That's probably, uh, I probably the main reason that it escalated to the point where it did that it did, that it became a big story. Yeah. And like, at least just go up to him and be like, well, why do you believe that? Why do you think it's back here? It wasn't, it was none of that. It was, you call whoever you got to call. I've never taken a bad drop in my life. Oh, he just, he acted ridiculous. And I, and what was frustrating for me is people were in my mentions saying that, look at the shot tracer. It's right. It's left of the flag. Like Berger said, it's like, guys, you understand shot tracer is not accurate at all. It's off all the time, literally all the time. And so, and you, and you can go to the shot link, which I think is more accurate, but even in the shot link was way closer to where Victor and Damon were, were saying it, it went, it crossed, but all that aside, like the, the two playing partners and Berger are the only ones that can really, ha- really make the judgment call. And the fact Joel Damon has called out people before on this, he called out Sun Kang. They got in a huge beef. That huge was a beef. Huge deal. Monster argument kind of about about got in a fight over I was it. I to say borderline fight between Joel Damon and Sun Kang over a bad drop a couple of years ago. So Damon's reputation is impeccable. He was willing to get in a fight over a guy trying to cheat. Like Sun Kang was actually trying to cheat. I don't think I don't think Berger was was trying to get an unfair advantage. Although right. I, I think he was kind of trying to get a little further than probably what he thought. And just seeing if they would call him out on it. But and a guy like Victor, who's the most unconfrontational guy you'll probably meet on the PGA tour, for both of them to be as adamant as they were, I I just I can't imagine it crossed where Berger thought. Now they conferred with each other. They put they it seemed like they kind of took in between where Berger wanted to drop, which was like 30 yards from the green, which I thought it was nuts. And I thought Victor and Damon had him a little further back than he should have been. And I think they ended up dropping just about in the right spot. And I think Berger, he, he spoke with Ryan Labner of, of uh, your, your company, uh, Golf Channel. <laughs> and he kind of said something along the lines of, yeah, we ultimately, I think it was the right call where I ended up dropping. I think he, he kind of owned it, I think, afterwards to, to Ryan Labner. Yeah, and to his credit, he did. But uh, yeah, the, the thing you said about the shot tracer, I think is really important because a lot of people were just looking at the pro tracer on the, on the camera feed and saying, well, it looks like your crossword burger said it did. Well, number one, that shot tracer is from ground level. It's a line. You can't actually see the golf ball. It's just a line on the screen short of having a blimp flying directly overhead where the ball crossed and being able to look down on it from the blimp. I don't think there's any way for any of us at home to look at it and know with certainty where it crossed. And it might not have even been, you know, with Berger, Hovland, and Damon, sometimes when you're playing golf, you don't know with 100% certainty where it crossed. You try to get as close as you can, and you never, if you're unsure, you never take the drop that is more beneficial to you. You always take the drop that is more penalizing to you because 
I mean, the worst thing that can happen to, to a golfer is to have their integrity called into question. So you always take the worst drop if, uh, if there's a debate between the two. So the fact that Damon and Hovland were so adamant, I think he ended up taking the right drop. Uh, and, and I think that Berger did kind of own it a little bit after the round. But like you said, Carson, it was Victor Hovland doing most of the talking. And he's a young guy on tour. He hadn't been out there real long, even though he's, he's number three in the world. So uh, I was very impressed with the way Victor Hovland handled himself. Yeah, he, I think Victor was the only one that spoke to the media afterwards, and he basically said, look, there's sometimes you got to have a, a difficult conversation out there, and I was just trying to protect the field. I didn't, I didn't think he was supposed to drop where he was, and I think that's a – I think Victor, while he's polite, he's got a lot of IDGAF in him about what you think or what your opinion is, which I loved. I just – he didn't really – he didn't get flustered, and he really didn't care if, if Berger got upset, which I thought was great. So that was a – a big deal for Victor. He's going to be one of the primo favorites this week in Florida at the Valspar. Hopefully he can get a win because he's been close. He's he's the hottest golfer in the world now with the way Rom has played the last couple of weeks. So it's it's exciting to watch him on the, the PGA Tour. Yeah, so, absolutely. He's a blast. Uh, let's see here. One more thing before we get to Bullets and BBs. How about James Washington in uh, Dallas Cowboys attire? Is that something you could be uh, behind? I would be majorly interested in James Washington in Dallas. Amari Cooper is on the way out, which as a Dallas Cowboys fan is kind of what I was rooting for. Not because I don't think he's a good player, just didn't like the salary. $20 million too much for a guy who's probably not a top 15 receiver in the league at this point in his career. So you put James Washington out there, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup. Those three make a pretty nice little crew because it looks like they're losing Cedric Wilson too. So I think he'd be able to find his way into a lot of snaps in Dallas's offense. They use a lot of three wide sets. Uh, yeah, I love the idea of James Washington to Dallas. Yeah, I mean, Des Bryant is the one trying to to break this news. He uh, he tweeted he tweeted out uh, James Washington to the Dallas Cowboys. Just know you heard it right here first. Uh, and James Washington responded with the eyeball emojis. And I think that'd be pretty dang cool to have cd lamb and james washington on the same team in dallas we all know jerry loves doubt he loves the dallas cowboys but he also loves osu cowboys they've drafted a lot of them over the years uh and i i certainly could see that happening and i i think james was very underutilized in pittsburgh it it's a, it was a weird deal because they they drafted him high they used a lot of draft equity on him i believe he was a second round pick but like they just didn't like to incorporate him into the offense. He was kind of the fourth option at best this entire tenure there. And Big Ben didn't seem to really like him. He had like one difficult catch that he kind of you could you could say he dropped. I thought it was a tough catch. And Ben kind of called him out in the media afterwards. That was is a very odd tenure at a very elite franchise in the NFL for for James. And hopefully he finds you know a better spot that'll that'll certainly use him much better. And I think Dallas is certainly a spot where that can happen. Yeah, I think so, too. And, uh, you know, that would be a place where a lot more people could see a lot more of him, too. We get every Dallas Cowboys game. Uh, that'll be nice. Also, maybe Baker Mayfield's going to be moving on from Cleveland. They were meeting with Deshaun Watson today. So maybe we can stop watching Browns games in every single noon window every week because everyone is tired of that. Well, and you won't have to watch any Baker Mayfield commercials if he's the quarterback of the, of the Houston Texans. That I can guarantee you. Woof. Yeah, that's going to be a big yikes. He's actually really good in the commercials, though. He's a great actor. I think he's he's probably one of the better athletes you can see in a commercial. I think he, he does a pretty good job with that. But I can't imagine with the way his career is unfolding the last couple of years and playing for the Houston Texans that uh, 
that progressive is going to be as is going to be filling his pockets as progressively as they have been. No, I wouldn't think so. That's uh, you got to perform on the field to get the deals off the field. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you know, just so we're not only dogging on OU guys, it's kind of like the Ricky Fowler situation right now. He's still on TV a ton. He continues this trend of, of on course um, lack of success. You won't see him on as many farmers commercials. That's the nature of the beast. Out of like the top 100, isn't he? Oh yeah. Ricky. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's dark. He wasn't even in the players last year. Last week, pardon me. Yeah, which is crazy to think about as a former champion. Let's see here. Ricky Fowler is currently ranked as the 127th player in the world. Wow. That is yeah, – that, that was a, one of the questions I had on the solo pod. And, like, clearly he's struggling in all facets of his game. But the fact, Colby, he went from, like, the best putter on tour to, like, 200th is I – don't, I don't understand how that happens. But he's, he's kind of lost in a lot of areas. Yeah, I don't either. And now he's like switching putters all the time. And when a guy's switching putters all the time, you know, that's a problem. You, you don't want to be switching putters. That's what I do. I've got two in my bag right now as we speak. Carson, <laughs> that's how bad I've been putting. Is one of them the spider? Yeah. Okay, then leave the spider in there. Get rid of the other one. Use the claw and make everything. Uh, I ditched the claw and my, my putting's gone way down. I I'd, I'd probably just need to go back to the claw with the spider. You're right. But claw, claw and the spider, you'll have a bad day from time to time, but over a, a long period of time, it'll be your greatest rate of success. Well, I've always been a good putter and still am. It's just sometimes when they're not going in, you just need to look down at something different. It gives you a little bit more confidence. When you see that, that old friend that won't let a ball go in the hole, you gotta, you gotta put them on the bench for a little while. So I, I can relate to Ricky on this one. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I know you use a spider in the claw as well, uh, so you're not biased at all. Every putt I've hit since 2014 has been with the old school tailor made spider with the claw grip. Yeah, it's uh, I've seen you win many matches with that thing. So, uh, time for bullets and BBs, Colby. What do you got? Uh, my bullet, Carson, is going to Mike Boynton on television. What? Mike Boynton is a natural, Carson. You put this guy in front of a camera, you put him up there. First off good looking guy sitting there looking all nice in his suit, his warmups, whatever he's wearing. And then just dropping knowledge, poise, composure, charisma. Mike Boynton absolutely has a career in television when he's done coaching, if he wants it. Yeah. I, I knew that was going to be gold because Mike Boynton is just a, he's just a captivating communicator. You, every time you see the guy talk on TV or meet him in person, it's so easy to see why recruits gravitate to him and families of recruits gravitate to him. And, I thought that was a great showcase for him considering they couldn't play. I thought that was really smart by not only him and the big 12 as well, just to kind of make him involved, even though their, their team was unjustly not allowed to play. That's the thing. That's a good one. My bullet goes to Cade Cunningham and Marcus smart. They exchanged jerseys on Friday after they played each other and Colby, I, I don't watch a ton of NBA, just like a ton of uh, college basketball these days, but, Cade Cunningham is is really lighting it up. He it's it was his tenth game of twenty five points or more this season, joining uh, Isaiah Thomas as the only Piston to accomplish that before their twenty first birthday. It also marked the sixth consecutive game Cunningham has scored at least twenty points after a sluggish start in the scoring department earlier this year. So, Cade and Marcus representing Oklahoma State really well, and and Cade Cunningham's having a hell of a rookie year. Carson Cade is who we thought he was. The only problem, he is playing in NBA oblivion in Detroit 
don't get to see those games very often. So uh, hopefully I'll, I'll get more of a chance to watch Cade as his career progresses. Hopefully the Pistons can get a little better and he can get some national TV games. Yep. He leads the rookies. He leads all rookies in points per game at 16.8 and right second in assists at 5.2 only behind the Thunder zone, Josh Giddy. So yeah, he's, he's balling out and that's what you expect from, you know, the number one overall pick and he's, he's living up to the billing for sure. And that's, that's great to see. What do you got for me on BB's? Uh, BB's Carson. This one, I'm, I'm going national here. Adam Schefter is getting my BB. Adam Schefter for a long time was just a newsbreaker, really respected. And this offseason, it's become blatantly obvious that he is just tweeting out whatever agents send him. And it was truly shocking to me the way he embarrassed himself last week with that tweet that he sent out about Deshaun Watson and how the truth came out and all this. I mean, look, a criminal case for sexual assault is incredibly difficult to prove. And there are so many sexual assaults in this country that go unprosecuted unprosecuted because the proof isn't there. There are still 22 women who are all telling very similar stories of abuse and sexual assault from Deshaun Watson who are all still suing him. And there still will be a civil case. And Deshaun Watson is not out of this. And we still don't know what the truth is. I'm not claiming to know what the truth is. But guess what? Neither does Adam Schefter. And, dude, you're a newsbreaker. I I don't know, Carson. It's just the way he's kind of made this heel turn this offseason into a mouthpiece for agents of NFL players has just really rubbed me the wrong way. With you. Remember him trying to say that Cliff Kingsbury would be a candidate at Oklahoma? Like, Yes, he copied and pasted that. It was texted to him from Cliff's agent, and he copied and pasted it. It's an embarrassment. Yeah, and like everyone – in the moment said, uh, why are you tweeting for Cliff's agent? Because <laughs> Cliff will be lucky he keeps his job in Arizona, let alone become the head coach at, at Oklahoma. So I, I, I'm with you there. It's it's a weird, weird thing. I know Schefter's contract, I think, is coming up soon. So this is not a not a good look as he's about to become, you know, on the market. And I'm sure ESPN will want to hang on to him. But no, that's been a weird, I've, as you mentioned, heel turn. I've heard some rumors that as uh, – betting becomes legalized and more mainstream and the NFL has partnered that Schefter might get a big bag from uh, one of these betting people. Somebody out in Vegas might give them a big bag to come give them some inside info that they might not otherwise have. Yeah, no, that, that would be, uh, that'd be big time. That, NFL, it's not as big a deal in NFL injury news and stuff. Cause like they literally have to report it. Yeah, I think more of like golf, like Hideki Matsuyama, like withdraws and nobody even knew he was hurt. Uh, stuff like that. More sports of where you don't get a ton of injury information and be more valuable. But Schefter could probably dip into other sports. He's so he's so good at getting information. But that'll be interesting uh, for me, Colby. My BB goes to a guy by the name of Colby Powell. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> Sam Humphreys tweeted on March 8th. Oh, no. I still can't believe I got Colby Powell to say so boomer sooner. At the end the we've got to end the pod. We can't talk about this. It's embargoed. Your mother is listening to this podcast, and she is probably going to shame you the next time she sees her. But you're getting a BB because Sam said, I still can't believe I got Colby Powell to say boomer sooner at the end of the podcast today on the 73rd hole. What happened? Explain yourself. 
All right, there is an explanation. I think it's a reasonable explanation, but we'll let the people decide for themselves. So last week with the 73rd Hole podcast, uh, we were invited down to the Charlie Coe Center in Norman at Jimmy Austin. It's the golf center for Oklahoma's golf program. We went in, went into Coach Hibble's office, talked to Coach Hibble, couldn't have been more hospitable. We interviewed Chris Goddard, Patrick Welch, Logan McAllister. We're hanging out in the team room. We're doing the pod. Everyone was so nice. We had such a great time. And then Sam puts me on the spot, puts all the pressure on me to say Boomer sooner before we leave. Now, I I made the agreement with him. I said, I'm going to do this under one condition because the hospitality has been so good today in Norman. I'm going to do this under one condition. You can't cut the audio. You can't put it on a button. This can't become some running joke that every time we talk about college golf, they play me saying boomer sooner. That was an agreement. I made him give me his word. And then, unfortunately, I did say it before we went out of the podcast. And Carson, even though they couldn't have been nicer to me down there, as soon as the words came out of my mouth, I immediately regretted it. So I I hope everyone can take solace in the fact that I immediately was upset with myself. Fantastic. And I... I understand that, man. I covered Oklahoma just like Oklahoma State for 13 years. You you, you cross enemy lines and they, they treat you nice and they're hospitable. And sometimes you get I, I never got put on the spot to just say boomer sooner, but I certainly understand the, the situation you were in. And that place is pretty immaculate there down at, at Jimmy Austin. So I'll let this slide this one time since you were, you know, a guest and you got put on the spot by Sam. I, I blame Sam more than you. I, I'm just messing around with giving you a BB. Oh yeah, I know. It's uh no, it, it was great being down there and enjoyed being down there with him, but I assure you it was a one-time thing. It's not happening again because like I said, as soon as I said it, I regretted it. Especially if you want mom to babysit uh, your uh, your daughter eventually. Uh, she's not going to be babysitting if you keep yelling boomer sooner. Yeah, no kidding. That's going to get me in some, some hot water real quick. Yep, so. All right, that'll do it. Colby Powell, thanks as always. We'll, we'll catch back up with you uh, later in the week. Yes, sir. Go Pokes!